Hello, you are listening to Something to Hold On To, episode number 78, Pondering at the Kitchen Sink. Hello, thanks for joining. I have Charlene with me today. Um, Charlene and I met, oh my goodness, three years ago, four years ago? Yeah, 2019. 2019, mm-hmm. right before the big COVID stuff. Yeah. How did we? The pandemic. We didn't even know what <laughs> what joy we were experiencing. It's true. <laughs> anyway, we met and um, yeah, it was a play that was put on in our city in downtown, and I guess it's a play, right? It's about the savior. I love it. It was so beautiful, and we just—I don't know—I just clicked with you, and then we've yeah. just stayed Facebook friends and friends and. Anyway, um, last year she posted that her dad had died, and I reached out and I'll get all teary, <laughs> um, and just offered a bear and anything I could do to help because I just I know what that's like to lose my dad. And anyway, so here we are going to talk about her cute dad <laughs> and her family. I'm going to let her talk for a minute, but you'll hear that she's not from she's not local. <laughs> I'm not. No. She's from Australia. What part of Australia? Remind me. So I'm from Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne. No R in that, We're right? Not. Well, there's an R, but... I know. We don't say it. We don't say it. Melbourne. <laughs> um, anyway, it's beautiful. I love to hear you, you talk. Your voice is so pretty. Thank you. Um, but anyway, so Charlene lost her dad in June, you said, mm-hmm. right? June, June 7th. 2023. 2023. And she had gone home for Christmas-ish. Yes. Yeah, I went home for Christmas and didn't think I would be back home that soon after, actually. Um, It was very unexpected. Um, Christmas was an interesting experience. And I had gone to Hawaii, actually, in March to kind of heal from a lot of things that I had gone through. Um, over a lengthy period of time. Um, Hawaii is great for healing, right? It is beautiful. <laughs> it is so beautiful. I didn't expect it to be such a, a place of healing. Mm-hmm. I thought I was just going there to have a fun holiday, and but I really found myself reflecting mm-hmm. and healing. Um, during that time, I was in touch with my parents, but they didn't say anything. And during that time, my dad had started chemotherapy. And you did not know this? They didn't tell me. Yeah. (sighs) They had kept it from me because they felt that they wanted it. Because they had been given um, word from the doctor that he would, once these treatments were through the chemo and the, um, what's the other one? Whatever treatments he was having. Infusions or something or? It'll come to treatment me, anyway. Sure. Yeah. yeah, he uh, they they thought that he would get better, and then they would tell me what they went through, mm-hmm. and then explain the the situation after. Um, but a little after I got home, so April fifteenth, my mum did call me, and she's like, "We have some news that we need to tell you. We've already told the boys, so I have three brothers um, as well, and." They sat down and they said, okay, dad's sick. And I said, okay, how sick? And so they said that he had stage three cancer uh, and it was colon cancer. Mm. And 
So I didn't know much about colon cancer. And the thing is, is like I had just seen him at Christmas time prior to that. 2022. 2022. Yeah. And we knew that there were a few things that were a little bit different. Like his bowel movements and things like that weren't normal. But no one thought to ask the question, like, we should probably send him to the doctor. Or dad should have just said, hey, I should probably just go to the doctor and get this checked out. Yeah, something's off. seem normal. Yeah. So, when I was home, I didn't, like, expect anything of that kind to happen. Mm -hmm. Because I had just seen him see anything different apart from that but my dad has this thing where (laughs) where he stands at the kitchen sink it's his favorite place in the whole entire home are you serious i'm serious but it's i think it's the way in which um the counter looks over the living area Mm. and that's usually where our family will sit and then the tv is up against the back wall perfect but he will usually stand at the kitchen sink, he'll put his hands up on the countertop, and he will just look outside and just think. Mm. I catch myself doing exactly the same thing he does in the same way. Wow. Um, he did that a lot while I was home in December. And I think about that now, and I think about, well, what was he thinking about? What was he reflecting on what in his body what in his mind maybe there was pain and he never said anything maybe there was thoughts or feelings or impressions that he received but he never shared them and I wondered through this process before he passed what was he thinking Hmm. number one what was he thinking by not telling us what he was thinking yeah yeah (laughs) and number two what were his feelings leading up to this last six, seven, eight months of his life? And did he did he know? He didn't keep a journal, or you he didn't ask kept him. A journal in yeah. our culture. So my parents were born on an island called Mauritius. So the culture is very different. It's a very no one speaks about anything. It's a very closed off communicative relationship in that sense. Why do you think? Um, I think a lot of people in Mauritius grow up with the idea that no one should know what's wrong with people. Mm. Or a sign of weakness or something? Yeah, Mm. I I think it did. I think it did show weakness Mm. or a sign of weakness because I know growing up, even in our family, that same we don't share, we don't speak, we don't express, was never developed. And I'm seeing that now more so as I'm striving to change that in my life based on my last communications with my dad in the hospital um, and how that could have been so different Mm -hmm. had we trusted each other with each other's feelings and impressions. And so I... I think about, um, you know, him standing at this kitchen sink and just thinking. But what was he thinking? And so a lot of this, you know, going... So I'm here April 15th and they're telling me Dad has cancer. 
They've told us that he's going to be fine in December, so we're just going to go through the treatments and the chemo, um, and we should be good. <clears throat> so they keep me updated. I get phone calls every day just to make sure we're all on par and mum's getting the support that she needs. But at the same time, mum isn't getting the support that she needs. She's trying to do everything on her own. Mm. And I don't know what dad's thoughts are through this. Like, he didn't even want to tell his own family that he was sick. His sisters, his brothers, nobody. And so I was like, what is going on? And it got to a point where mum did have to get on the phone and tell his family to express what was going on because everybody needs help. And mum was finding it very difficult to now be at all the hospital appointments and all of his um, appointments for therapy and whatnot. So, and this is where I get upset with dad and dad's not here to get upset with, <laughs> is that he just didn't communicate. Um, so the week leading up to May 4th, so we're, looking at probably April 30th, May 1st, dad was admitted to hospital. Mm. Um, and so things pretty much declined very quickly from that point forward because he just didn't communicate as to how he was really feeling. Um, but my dad's a very kind and gentle person. He's, he's, always, he's that nice guy. He, he will be there. <laughs> even if it's out of convenience for him. But he always put his family first. His family were his number one. Um, his family were who he lived for. Mm. And I see that. I see that in everything that he did. Like, he was the family chef. So <laughs> he was? Yeah, he would cook dinner every night. And my mom was very picky about having fresh food on the table. So leftovers wasn't an option so <laughs> I could eat one meal the whole week yeah and, <laughs> so and bad I could do that too you know living yeah. as a single woman myself yeah um but my my mom's standard growing up was we would always have a fresh meal every mm. night no matter how like simple or complex it was even though she wasn't making it yeah 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 and and you know our meals were like lentils with rice or you yeah. know that kind of um, it was more of a French oriental kind of cultural cuisine that yeah. we grew up with so it was yeah. very a little different to what most people would probably think an Aussie dish looks like <laughs> um, I don't even know what I would think of an Aussie dish <laughs> I know people ask me that question I'm like, like what do you eat just like, like normal vegetables, like is yeah. that a typical Aussie dish that you so would think? So funny, like, yeah. yeah. So, my dad gave a lot. My dad gave a lot, and he gave up a lot of himself. I think, thinking about my dad and his, like, what was his purpose? Who was he? Who did he belong to? Like, I think about those things and. He was always at home. He was always there. Really? Yeah. Did your mom work? Yeah, mom worked full time. 
Um, when we were younger, she didn't work full time. She was a house mum. So she, yeah. until my youngest brother was six and was in preschool, mm-hmm. she went back to work to then kind of help. So your mom worked as well. So my mom worked as well. And what did he do as a profession? So my dad was your average kind of guy. He never graduated from high school. He never graduated from, graduated from college. Yeah. Um, but he worked for a grocery company. So Woolworths is what they're called now. Yeah. Because back in the day, it was called Safeway. But he worked for various other companies as well, like sure. coated coating, uh, powder coating companies as well. Mm. Um, but for the most part, he worked for big retail companies for their inventory um, department. Mm. And so he traveled all around Victoria, Australia, uh, doing that, and he loved it. I don't, he never really would complain Mm. ever about work. He would just come home, get dinner ready, have it ready from what, like for when we all came home, and that was that. And then he would clean. We would all help kind of clean up up and and get things ready and for the evening and mm. call it a night and then the next day we'll roll in. <laughs> <laughs> so he served that kitchen counter a lot. He did. Because of just, you know, cooking and cleaning and yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was a really safe and comfortable place for him, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I like that. And I think that was his place of being able to create as well. Yeah. There wasn't other places for him to do that. Um, based on the, the background, his culture and his family, they weren't um, religiously inclined mm-hmm. at the time mm-hmm. before he met my mother. So having met my mother, she was like leading towards the Seventh-day Adventist church. Mm-hmm. And then my grandfather was the, I guess, the pioneer who met with the missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. And that is how we became a associated and affiliated with a church um, yeah yeah and and that's when mom and dad decided to get married in the temple wow and so religion and culture were two very difficult areas in our family life where um a lot of what they knew back from their culture didn't correlate with religion mm. and so there was a lot of that going back and forth throughout our life like well we did this but now we do this and what do we do going forward and yeah, yeah a lot of tension yeah um and so yeah so there was a, a lot of that growing up when it comes to the dynamics mm-hmm. of our family as well and the relationship between my mom I think every family has have things. They yeah, just they do. do. We all does. have, you know, especially... I don't know why I didn't think they, they, that they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. I grew up thinking that there was a perfect family and there was my family. <laughs> and oh, I honestly kick myself today, you know. You, yeah, you I just don't know. how old I am today. But, <laughs> but just, just in the sense that I always just imagined what our family could have been without letting it just be what it was. Interesting. Tell me a little bit more about your dad as far as like, 
um, his characteristics and did he, was he an active, physically active person? Like, did he yeah. do sports or? Physical active, loved soccer. soccer. I'm talking about European soccer. Right. The black and white ball. <laughs> um, Football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, loved soccer. So, grew up playing soccer. Good. Fun. Um, loved to be active. Loved to dance. My dad loved to dance. I love that. And, uh. What part of the uh, part of my sharing of him at his funeral was he just used to love to dance with my mum or anybody. Mm. We would we grew up going to a lot of dances. Um, we called them Mauritian balls or Mauritian dances, and sometimes my mum would actually run and hold these events. Wow! So they were huge in our family. She liked to dance also. Then she loved yeah. to dance. She yeah. loved music. We grew up loving music, mm. and my dad is a musical like he doesn't sing well you know what now that I think about it like he loved singing just throughout the home and but we all grew up very musical um and my dad would always just be caught singing or dancing like just around the home as he's doing like the laundry or in the kitchen (laughs) like you name it he he was just fun to be around and I think that's why I maybe attached to him a little bit more closer than my mum at the mm. time or growing up. Um, just in the sense that we had so many similarities. Yeah. And we would spend a lot of time together. Like I worked with him at the same company for a short time, mm. for about five years actually. Um, so I would see my dad at work and and we would go shopping all the time together. And my dad loved the outdoors, loved gardening. Loved oh, to be out in his garden. Yeah. Um, he he loved to spend time with people. Loved. My dad was just that guy that was just like, everybody loves me. Yeah. Who, who doesn't like me? Like, He was a talker probably too, just I mean, connected yeah, with people. And my dad wasn't a very, he wasn't very good at articulating his words, mm. but it was his light mm. and his company. That reflected who he was. Yeah. He wasn't a man of very many words. And I will say that to the day I die. <laughs> because he never... And he just never was. He just never was that guy that... I think there was a lot that he felt like... Maybe he wasn't educated enough. Mm. He couldn't share enough. Wow. Or yeah. a lot. And so he was very limited. I think he felt like he was very limited mm. on what he would share and, and how deep he would go on a conversation because mm. he was scared. He was afraid to share. And I know that because I, I've been there. In that same situation, you're afraid to share? Yeah, because we don't know if the other person is going to be like, well, you don't know anything. So why are you sharing that? Yeah. And I think that comes from different dynamics in the family Are you um, second oldest? Did I you am have, second oldest. You have so a brother? One older brother, me, and then two younger brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you went for Christmas and then came home and went to Hawaii. I did. And then you got that phone call and then your dad was in, on the, in this hospital. and Yeah. So what I was told, so May 4th, 
Yeah. I was getting ready for the force to be with me. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that that was just so coincidental and so uncanny on the timing. But I woke up that morning and it was early morning for them because they're a day ahead of us. So they were on May 5th. I'm on May 4th. Yeah. And he is out. He's completely unconscious. Mm. Um, and so I have my brother and my, my siblings, other siblings in the background, on the phone to me saying, Dad's not going to make it. So... And they're all there, but you. They're all there. Right. Yeah, I'm the only one that lives here in, in Utah. In the United States, yeah. I have no family here whatsoever. Yeah. So I am working. I am sick with COVID that same day, <laughs> which I didn't know I had COVID. You just were sick. I yeah. went for the test the day before. I had just been sick. Um, so I'm working from home and this impression upon me came, you need to get home. Mm. You need to get home now. So without a word to my managers, I booked a, a, a flight just right there and then. Wow. It was not cheap. <laughs> I bet. It was not cheap. And so I got a, a flight booked. I had three hours to pack. I didn't know what to take. I took a black dress just in case. Because uh. I didn't know what to expect. And I had one brother and sister-in-law who said just pack what you can and whatever you don't have we'll figure it out and I thought okay because I'm not thinking clearly right now like I'm sick I'm I've got three hours to pack I've got to figure out where to leave my car where to do this where to do that and it just became a mess but I had beautiful friends that came and they said okay let us take care of everything else you just go and whatever you need we'll take care of on this side amazing so uh, in the next 24 hours, I traveled, and in that time, I just, I was like, Dad, where are you? Like, where are you right now? And here I was writing down these thoughts and feelings of, if he was speaking back to me, what would he be saying? Or what would I be wanting to ask him if this is his last day? Yeah. Like, what do I want to know? What do I want to hear? And all I could think of was just crawling right up into him and just sleeping next to him and just being that comfort. Except when I got to the hospital, there were too many wires. <laughs> all the tubes, all the stuff. <laughs> all the tubes. And, and mm. because of the, the high infiltration of infection, I couldn't get that close to him. Yeah. So when I arrived home, having then been deemed with COVID, mm. I had to stay away. Quarantine. So I couldn't even see him. And here they are telling me that... He's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. Mm. So the miracle that I feel that I got to experience before he did pass was that that Saturday that I flew in, he came to... He woke up and I was able to talk to him and he couldn't respond, but 
I said, hi, Dad, and he waved, and mm. he was um, responding. Mm. But the Sunday after that Saturday, the hospital ran a, well, I shouldn't say they ran anything. They didn't administer his uh, medications properly. Mm. So they put him under cardiac arrest. Oh no. Oh. And so all of this work of him coming to and being able to communicate again, um, they pretty much just put him back under unconscious. Mm. And so that was Sunday. But I didn't know anything until Monday. So my brothers kept it from my mother and I. The, the hospital had contacted them Sunday evening to tell us what had happened and the reason why they had to admit it <laughs> was because one of my, my youngest brother was in the room when it happened. Oh. And so wow. because he had seen it, they had to report it. Well, wouldn't you hope that they would report it anyway? You would hope so, but I have I a guess... feeling hospitals don't have to unless you specifically ask to look at the reports mm. from overnight. Yeah. Um, otherwise, they didn't have to provide any explanation mm. whatsoever. Huh. So Monday, when Mum and I finally, when I finally got to see him after all this time, um, I was able to sit. But I just broke down. I cried. Yeah. I just, oh. I didn't know how to contain how I was feeling, and with the experience that I told you that I had at Christmas previously, mm -hmm. um, but not during this session. Um, it was just 10 times harder yeah. than what I expected. Conflict, yeah. Ah. Uh, so how long was he, I mean, did he die right away? No, he didn't die right away. So fortunately, um, after the cardiac arrest, fortunately he didn't have any long-term issues come oh. from that or um, okay. medical needs. So that was all good and fine, thank goodness. So then a few days later, that was about the Wednesday, excuse me for a minute. Yeah. So then maybe from that Wednesday, so we're like May 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th. So we're looking at May 9th, May 10th. He comes back and oh. he's able to risk, like, communicate with his hands again. Um, he still has a tube in his mouth, so a tube down his throat. Um, so he's not able to fully speak. But then they tell us we can't keep the tube down his throat because of the infection. Mm. So we're going to have to do a tracheotomy. So he's still not going to be able to speak, but he can at least communicate and then we can try and figure out what he's saying. Yeah, lip read a little bit maybe. Yeah, and I was key in that communication mm. because I somehow was able to read what he was trying to say. Mm. And a lot of people in my family couldn't. And so I was like, I don't know why I can but it was kind of a blessing for me. Yeah. Um, and I spent a lot of time 
with my dad. I remember the first night, so the Monday night that I, I got to see him, I stayed with him in the hospital overnight. Mm. So I did that for a couple of nights, and mm. then I went back home to be with Mum. But Mum and I pretty much were at the hospital every day with him. But one of the one of the things that I will share, yeah, was there was a nurse that observed this silent communication between you and your dad, between my dad and my mum and I, like yeah. just the family dynamics, right? Yeah, where people don't share, people aren't sharing, they're not sharing mm-hmm. how they're feeling. Yeah, um, we could all do that better. I we could do, could. I could do I, that I better. I truly feel like communication. Uh, even between friends, family mm-hmm. members, um, yeah. husband and wife, like I see it now. I see it more so now than mm-hmm. I ever have before. And um, she said, "Why aren't you guys talking?" <laughs> and I was, I was so grateful that she brought because I was thinking, "Why aren't we talking? Why isn't my mom talking to my dad?" Like these could be his last hours. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they speaking? Why aren't they talking about, okay, what do we do from, from here? I think my mom was in complete denial that she was about to lose her husband and the love of her life. Yeah. Yeah. And so that for her was just, I don't want to believe it. It's so too hard. I don't want to believe that yeah. my husband, because, you know, he was gardening and then all of a sudden now he's having chemotherapy. Like how do you how do you work that out? How does that how does that happen? And so for her, she was just waiting for a miracle. She was waiting for something. And I was praying for a miracle. I was like, God, give us like three, five more years, let's make this better. Like let's let's do something better. So the nurse had us talking. I started talking to dad and it was hard. It actually was really hard to ask questions or even know what to talk about. Right, because we spent so many years not even worrying about what to ask. Yeah. And one of the most simple questions was, how is your day today? Mm-hmm. You know, what are, what are you feeling? Like, how, how, how was your experience? Like, what's the dog doing at home? What's what did you guys have to eat? My dad couldn't eat for the whole time he was in hospital. Oh, that's awful. And so my mom's thing was like, don't talk about food. Because he can't even eat. talk about food in front of your dad because he loves his food. <laughs> you know, and, and the whole time he was in hospital, he was like, I just want bread and a cup of tea. Like, yeah. That was his thing. He loved buttered bread. Like, fresh bakeries back home. He would always go to bakery, grab, you know, the big loaves and just butter those things up and just with his cup of tea he'd be a happy man <laughs> like that was who he was like <laughs> he didn't need anything more complicated than that mm. um and so you know but the nurse was like you've got to talk about it you've got to talk about food you've got to talk about your day what are you doing like these these are the things that's going to make him want to move and get better but it was almost like it was too late. Mm. You know, by the time we were talking and finally being taught how to communicate, it was, all, it was too late. 
But one of the things I did, so my mom was out talking to the doctor and I was in with my dad by myself and I had this experience with him and I won't share all of it, just no, a lot yeah. of it um, I think was for me yeah. to really know the spiritual side of a loved one passing. And that was important for me when I asked him a certain question and he responded. That was important for me to know that his loved ones were there for him mm. and they were there from the other side um, and they were there to get him. Not oh. get him, but there to... Is, take him home? Take him home. Yeah, escort yeah. him and be with him. and. Um, Bear with me, Molly. And I said to Dad, what are just some of the things you want me to know before you go home? You know, and like I said, he couldn't speak, so he was writing this down. So I took a picture of his oh. last written words to me. Oh, I have chills. Um, before he passed. Um, mm I'm trying to look at this with teary eyes and it's not working. <laughs> um, Cute. I should have had this ready before. No, it's great. While she's looking, there's a picture of her dad right here and he is so handsome and so sweet. Like he just, you can tell he just wants to give and I don't know. Like you can almost hear him saying, hey, <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah, he was much so a, just a person of giving. Mm. And cooking was his giving. Like, mm -hmm. that's so cool. Okay, I'm almost there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Amazing how much happens on your phone in a year. It's true. <laughs> and like, there's all these other photos that we found of him, and so we Aww. all posted them. Wow, um, so sweet. So, so this is what he wrote. Oh. Obviously, no one listening can see it. Right. But look at that sweet. Well, I mean, I'm thinking, what would I say to my kids? Right. You know, what would I say yeah. to my friends if that was the last thing that, not knowing, you know. Right. Um, but he just shares, first of all, I love you, but in life, something's got to live. Mm. Now, I don't know if he was supposed to write, something's got to give, <laughs> <laughs> or something's got to live. <laughs> But in the sense of him writing live, I think of my dad and the hours and the time that he spent just at home. And I mean, mum and dad went on a lot of cruises. Mm. I shouldn't say a lot of cruises. They went about three or four together and they loved it. He mm. loved cruising. Um, but they, my mum and dad had very different schedules. Like my dad, he's an early bird. He's up early. And so he would go for a walk through the cruises and probably meet people along the way. <laughs> Whereas my mum probably wouldn't get up until like 10 a.m., you know. And then my dad would bring her breakfast to the room, <laughs> you know. Cute. Um, 
So part of that in, in his, and I don't have like an interpretation of what he meant by yeah. that, right? Yeah. I couldn't ask him. It was too hard for him to communicate. He couldn't speak. Um, and so it was, it was like, okay, is he telling me to just go and live my life? Be happy. Like, don't hold on to the, the past. Yeah. Like, just keep going, keep doing what you're doing. But it kills me as well. I am so far away from home. And that flight going home really was evident. <laughs> was evidence of that. Like, I can't be home in just a couple of hours. Yeah, right. You know? But at the same time, do I regret not spending those years that I've been living in Utah with my dad or with my mom or at home with my family? Do they feel like I abandoned them? I hope not. <laughs> I was just trying to do life. I was yeah. living life. And you felt drawn here. You felt like you should come here, right? Yeah, I did. Mm -hmm. And I did speak to my parents yeah. about that decision that I was making prior to moving here. Great. Mm -hmm. right. um, excuse me. No, you're great. I think... I think, I don't know, as our family, you know, life changes and you just want everyone right around you, but that's not always how it is. Unfortunately, and they, in my case, no. Yeah, so. yeah. Because how many years have you been here? Um, A while. So I moved here February 2019. Yeah. So next month, it'll be five years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I love that your interpretation is that he would say, go and live. Go live your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something's got to live. Something's got to give. Whatever it is. <laughs> give yourself yeah. life. Give yourself time right. to live. You know? Yeah. And my dad was always... And this is the thing. Like, if he wasn't okay with me moving away, why didn't he say something? Yeah. It's that communication thing again. But do you feel that he was not okay with you moving? Or do you just wonder? It's, it's not what I wonder. It's what my mom's been telling me after uh, my dad's passed. Oh, I see. Yeah. And now you're communicating. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, you guys could have told me this like before, like in the sense that they always wanted me home, but mm. they always knew that they also wanted me to do what I needed to do. Yeah. Um, but dad always, dad was a supporter. Like, I don't feel like he was upset in any way. I think maybe I could have come home earlier for Christmas before 2022, but with COVID restrictions and the flights were $7,000 return, yeah. like... So expensive. The, the ability to do so was just out of my control. Yeah. And so just, I, I missed that. I missed... Being able to share that experience with dad present together mm. yeah. for the last time. Yeah. But I know, I know he's here watching over me. Mm. Like I, 
as much as I just want to be like, can you just show yourself to me? Like, <laughs> can I just have one of those opportunities to see you? But I know I feel him close by. I know it's um, it's a time sensitive journey. Yeah. You know, this life is, well, from what I believe, is we have this time to learn and grow. Um, and what I've learned from my family, I just hope I've learned better to know how to be better communicating with my family one day, someday. <laughs> it's coming. Um, but also to take those lessons that I've learned from my dad, the way that he took care of us as a family, the way that he... Um, respected us in our decisions as well mm. as his children um, and I as his only daughter well I'm not his only daughter and let me say that because okay. if she ever listens to this I want to know I want for her to be mm. included um, mm. so 20 years into the relationship mom did find out that dad had two children but I don't think he ever thought that they would ever come back to find him interesting um, the dynamics between that relationship before he met my mother yeah. were very estranged and he, I don't think he thought he would ever see them again if that was it. Yeah. Um, but in 2001, the daughter, Vivian, did come and find him. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, the communication in allowing those relationships to transform and connect weren't done properly. And so... I have a half-sister yeah. and a half-brother yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, and so there were things that I think my dad, there were more There were more things that he wanted to fix. Yeah. But um, given that time, he now has time on the other side <laughs> yeah. to, to be a part of that in a way that perhaps he wouldn't have here living. Beautifully said. And, and so sweet of you to honor them as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There are things in life that we just don't, we just don't realize. We don't think about. We, I don't know. I reflect on my dad while you're talking about your dad, you know, and I just think, oh, there's so many things I could have said different. Or, you know, there's always a coulda, shoulda, woulda, and you don't want to yeah. go there because it's, it, you're yeah. here now. Yeah. <laughs> the time has passed. But I think it's sweet that, and I think you're absolutely correct, that he can do maybe more where he's at now with them and with you than he could have if he were here. Don't yeah. let my mother hear that. I'm just kidding. No, I know. Well, it's not yeah. like you don't, you, you would I rather know. him be there. Right. It's I would just rather that it's him a diff- be here, yeah. obviously. Of, of um, course. It's just a different yeah. perspective of yeah. what they could do yeah. where they're at. But he was amazing. Mm. I miss him every day. I wonder what it's going to be like <laughs> when I go home again. Yeah. To Australia. It's not there. Yeah. Because you haven't been back after the funeral, no. correct? Ah. Oh. So. Yeah. I just wonder how that's going to feel. Yeah. It's different. Do you have plans to go back home soon? 
Um, I planned to go home at Christmas. Yeah. Um, and there are obviously visa legalities around that, but I love Christmas. And <laughs> the one thing that I think my family confused um, at the time when I went home in 2022 is they all thought I came home just to do my paperwork and not spend time with them. Oh. For some reason, they just feel like I've abandoned them. And that was never my intention. Sure. Absolutely. My intention was to follow God's plan for me and in the hopes that they would be happy for me as well. And so going home in 2022 was that time I was hoping to get back and to really settle the dust that had been kicked up over so many years um, between certain family members and I um, because I... I'm very religiously inclined uh, to lead my life in that direction and they're not. And so I really just had hoped that I would have that time. But anger got the better of me mm. and bitterness. And my dad, I remember the day, the boxing day is what we call it, the day after Christmas. Yeah. And I was just beside myself. I was so upset. And my mother held me in her arms, just as I was screaming mm. to be loved. And my dad stood there and he said, Charlene, just stop giving them this energy. Stop wasting your time. Live your life. Just do what makes you happy. <laughs> and so, yeah, so going home this year is going to be very tricky because the people that I love and spend time with the most apart from my mum <laughs> my mum will be there Yeah. but my dad and most likely my grandmother who's in palliative care right now won't be there and so I think about how that's going to affect me but I'm hoping with the relationship that my mum and I are trying to strengthen um, as we talk about my dad and, and as we remember him in the way that he was, that maybe things will be okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I really truly feel that my dad is a big part of who I am. I say that in honor of his passing and, and, and the life that he gave me as a father because my mother's here and I and I love her dearly um, but to resonate with what my father's given me I, I truly feel that a lot of who I am is because of his love and giving as well as what my mother gave me as a child that is beautiful that is so beautiful. Tell me his name. I mean, I just like to say their name, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I apologize for tearing. No, you're, you're great. I, uh, it's part of it. It's part of it all. It is. So my father's full name is John Christian Cornell. Beautiful. Yeah. And we put something on the back of your bear that I still can't remember why. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
the thing is, is I've learned the new translation of what he used to call me. Oh. <laughs> so I don't know if I want. I, oh, I, you don't I, have to. You I, don't I, have to. I can't share it. So no. he used to call me a nickname, Sajin is what he would call me, or Sajin, like in the dialect of what they would speak. So my parents speak a French Creole. Mm. And so every time my dad would see me, he'd be like, hi, Sajin, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and what it means is I'm a troublemaker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just that you're stirring things up. You're making it move, you know. I love to stir things up, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's cute. And I was just... My grandfather had a name for me, and that was Bate Kupie, and that was, um, I like to go around kicking people. Oh. <laughs> so. I don't see either was, of those things in you, Charlene. I was I guess, growing up. I have no idea, but I mean, that's who I am. That's, that, those are the things that describe, and I mean, I'm not that person today, but those little characteristics help me to understand why I am who I am today. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, so my dad, on the, on the back of this bear that I had you print, um, the first part was Hi Sajin, because that's what he would call me. Yeah. And then the second part was when we were in the hospital. There was a transaction of communication mm. where I thanked him for being my dad, and then he thanked me for being his daughter. Mm. So those last words were, thank you for being my daughter. Thank you for sharing your dad with us today. Thank you for allowing me <laughs> to share my dad with you. It's beautiful. Thank you so much for joining today. If you or someone you know is grieving and would find comfort in having something to hold on to that is tangible and a part of their loved one's journey, please visit our website, carriebearers.com. My book, Something to Hold On To, is also available on my website, These stories of different people in their grief have helped so many find hope. The book also includes a chapter on the making and delivering of the 9-11 carry bears to the FDNY, NYPD, and Port Authority families in New York City. This is Carrie Pike, creator of Carry Bears, wishing you love and laughter, hope and healing.